Hey guys, this is Field of Vapor. Hey folks, this is Pete Bissardo. Hey guys, this is Ruby Roo, and you're listening to Smoke Free Radio. Vapors, welcome to another edition of Smoke Free Radio right here on the VP Live Network. You're going to have to excuse my voice. I am battling the flu this week, uh, but still dedicated to the cause back here on the VP Live Network. Uh, great job this week, as always, with all the podcasts here geared towards content and vaping goodness. Of course, Sunday, Kevin with VP Live Radio, 9 p.m. Eastern, the wonderful Jan with... Uh, uh, Raven Grimm on Mondays with Anti Nanny Radio at six o'clock. Tuesday, of course. Yesterday, a great show by Russ. Clickbang Radio Tuesday night, nine p.m. Eastern, uh, talking about the progress on the lawsuit in New York City. Uh, tonight, of course, Smoke Free Radio, and tomorrow the lovely Jeannie K at nine p.m. Eastern with the Jeannie K Show. Uh, I hate to start off the show uh, with a somber note, but uh, we did have a death in the vaping community this past week. Uh, somebody that's very close to my heart and local to me, well, actually neighboring Alabama, uh, Randy Fox. You might know him from Fox's Stance. He did these beautiful wooden uh, mod holders uh, at the at the very young age of 57, uh, passed away due to a heart attack that he suffered actually at a vape meet in Birmingham, Alabama. He just uh, walked outside the vape meet, um, said he wasn't feeling well and just collapsed. They took him to the hospital and later on he was pronounced dead. Um, to me, Randy not only was a, a, just a very dear friend, uh, he was one of the the key people uh, launching the vaping uh, movement in Alabama. Vaping was very, very close to, to his heart, um, not only because it helped him quit smoking, but the many lives that he touched down there in Alabama. He always made it a point to come to our meets here in Chattanooga, set up his booth, uh, display his wonderful work, always very generous with his donations. 
Um, for me, uh, about a year and a half ago, as most of you know, I play poker every Monday, and every Monday night I like to take a picture of my my poker setup, you know, down at the table. And um, but a couple of years ago, you know, I was mostly into the mechanical mod thing, and I was always posting pictures of my mech mods on the poker table and the chips, you know, trying to make an artistic Instagram uh, bullshit picture. But um, he messaged me. And he says, "Oh, I know exactly what you need." Uh, and, uh, you know, two, three days later, I got this wonderful uh, poker wood stand for my mechanical mods that I proudly display now and uh, and always be close to my heart. So, uh, Randy, um, there is a, a, a funding set up for his family. Uh, you can search on on, uh, on Facebook for the for the funding page. Marcy from uh, VapeNet has done a wonderful job getting that organized. Uh, tonight, the Scenic City Vapors uh, Club met at the Fox and Hound to raise some donations for for some flowers for his funeral. So, Randy, you will be extremely missed not only uh, for your presence in the vaping community and what you've done for the Birmingham Vapors, but you will be missed as a very good, dear friend and close to my heart. All right, moving ahead. Uh, this past week, uh, Marco uh, invited me Tuesday on Vapor Trails TV. I had a wonderful time. The show is up there on their replay archive. Uh, we talked a little bit about the China trip. We talked a little bit about advocacy, a little bit of the hype, a little bit of the DNA 40. Uh, I had a wonderful time. The show just went by really, really quick. I think Marco did a great job. Uh, and also continues this 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 collaboration bridge that we have with the European Vapors. It's something that Kevin started here. You know, since ever since I joined the network, he's always had that door open with the, with the Vapor Trails uh, TV guys. Just, just collaborate and try to feed off each other ideas. I think it's extremely vital. As we're moving ahead, uh, this is a global fight. Vaping is a global fight. It's not just here in our city and our states. Um, and trust me, a lot of people are looking to the FDA. A lot of countries are looking to the FDA and what the FDA is going to do. Uh, and we're going to talk about this when I bring on my Canadian guests uh, on here in a little bit. Uh, but thanks again to Marco for having me on. I look forward to um, to working with him in the future. And hopefully we can do a show here and invite some of the UK guests on. The timing is a little bit uh, difficult for them, but... Uh, but I know that uh, they'd be more than happy to to join us. All right. Of course, the breaking news today, the formaldehyde uh, story. Now, I have a little bit of a rant here. Uh, uh, before I get into this, I knew about this a few days ago. And I couldn't po- really post a lot of stuff about it because I was under order until the story broke. Uh, but I did make a post on Facebook to alert people that this is coming. I actually have the entire study, uh, the, the entire PDF of the study. And I knew how flawed it was. Um, so I made a post on Facebook saying that this is coming. Um, it's going to show uh, alarming levels of formaldehyde and high-voltage vaping. Nowhere in there did I imply anything about sub-ohm vaping. But immediately, immediately the sub-ohm junkies jumped on my thread and started saying, you know, oh, it's not that, and I want to do my own testing, and I want... This study has nothing to do with sub-ohm vaping. Nothing. High-voltage vaping at 5 volts is not sub-ohm vaping. The study is completely flawed. Most likely, in, in fact, we don't really have the details of what they used and what atomizer they used, but most likely what, have ha- what has happened is they took a top-coil atomizer, they used it at 3.3 volts, found no formaldehyde or very, very low traces. And then they cranked it up to 5 volts and they hit it for 4 seconds and they got alarming levels of formaldehyde. 
Now, all of you that are veteran vapors, everybody that went through the VV Nova stage, <laughs> who hasn't, the revolutionary VV, VV Nova stage. And if it was Hello Equipment, I see somebody saying that it might be a Hello Equipment. Hello Equipment doesn't have a top coil clearomizer. You know darn well if you're going to hit a top coil clearomizer at 5 volts, you can't vape it. So here's part of my rant. Do you see now the importance of having a temperature study done by our side of the industry? All these people that jump down my throat about raising money for Dr. F study, suck it. Suck it. Because this is exactly what we feared what was going to happen. Go back and listen to my episodes six, seven months ago when I predicted this exact scenario. And what does the scenario entail? All you have to do is look at the headlines today on all the major news outlets. CBS News. Here's the headline. E-cigarette vapor filled with cancer-causing chemicals, researchers say. E-cigarette vapor can contain cancer-causing formaldehyde at levels up to 15 times higher than regular cigarettes. Reuters. Ramping up e-cigarette voltage produces more formaldehyde, says study. The Wall Street Journal. Study links e-cigarettes to formaldehyde and cancer risk. ABC News. Lab tests imply formaldehyde risk in some e-cigarette vapor. This is exactly what I said six months ago. But all the sub all the sub-omers jumped down my throat. Listen, if you don't do the studies properly and in real-time use, we're not going to have accurate statistics. We're letting these labs and these scientists that don't even know how to use an electronic cigarette do science and then blast it all over Reuters, all over AP. This will be top headline tomorrow in every news media station. I guarantee it to you. Why? Because the inactivity of this fucking industry is not willing to take on the responsibility to do the funding for the studies themselves. Period. Hopefully when this study is done by Dr. F and it should be, the first stages should be finalized by the end of the, of the month, we'll be able to come and present it out to the media. Will it get the same coverage as this? No. You know why? Because once again, the industry does not fund a proper, a proper PR campaign. What is a proper PR campaign? Look at British American Tobacco in the EU. Spent $34 million in a positive PR campaign last year, making it known that it's the most talked about electronic cigarette in Europe. Do people use it? No. But they spent $34 million. That's one company. How much have we spent here to do positive PR campaigns on the benefits of switching to electronic cigarettes? How much have we spent here to promote the positive scientific research that has been done already on electronic cigarettes. Give me one figure. I can guess. It's probably nothing. I hate to tell you, I told you so. But I told you so. Dr. F already has put his response to this, as he's the one that alerted me about this a couple of days ago, and he was anticipating. Of course, the biggest flaw in the study is 
they haven't relayed the voltage to wattage to know exactly what clearomizer was used and exactly what watts uh, was applied to it. And of course, the deception of formaldehydes versus formaldehyde hemacidhils. Huge, huge difference. But doesn't, it doesn't really make a difference. It really doesn't. You know, he can sit there and, and dissect this study all he wants. The only thing people are going to see is the headline. And you know how many people read the entire story. Probably less than 30% of the people that are going to see these stories. The only thing that's going to be embedded in their heads is e-cigarette vapors filled with cancer-causing chemicals. How many of you out there today, or that are listening to the replay, how many out there today got a message from a family member, a smoker, a friend that says, here, I told you so, those things are just or not even worse than the real thing? Tell me, how many did it? How many out there got a message like that? Because I did. See, I told you so. This is my biggest concern. We take one step forward, and then all of a sudden, boom, one flawed study fills the mainstream media. We're 10 steps back. That has to stop, folks. It really has to stop. It is time for us to get serious. We have to fund these studies. And listen, will they all be great? For example, diacetyl? No, they're not all going to be great, but we're going to have to be big boys and deal with the good and the bad. Because if we don't, you're going to be getting more of this. What do you think this is? This is ramping up to force the FDA to enforce electronic cigarette regulation quicker. That's all it is. It's a big propaganda to shove it into the regulator's face and say, hey, listen, listen, we don't know. These first studies coming out showing cancer-causing chemicals. You got to regulate this product. It's time to stop. All right, let me go ahead and get my guests ready here. Um... Yep, well, I don't know what happened just there. I just paid all the money for that for that Pibusaro bump. And it just uh, it just stopped. Hello, Casey. Yep. Hold on just a second. Let me get the uh, the rest of the people here on this call, and uh, we'll be ready to go. Got her, and I got him. Add them. All right, here we go. Go make sure everybody can hear us. Man, I paid all that money to Phil Basardo for that bump. Hello. Hello. Hey, Daniel, you there? Daniel, did you unmute your very nice headset? Yeah, very. He's got a very, very nice headset. <laughs> Daniel, you there? Hello. Yeah, I'm there. All right, you don't have to turn on your cam. We don't want to see you. Nobody can see you anyway. So you can just keep uh, just keep the audio unless you want me to look at you. I don't mind. All right. Um, <laughs> good, good. All right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I am joined by some of the board members of the newly formed. Uh, Canadian Vaping Association, and what I consider to be one of the one of the most positive steps uh, that has happened in recent time, at least in the Canadian vaping scene. So, first of all, before we get started, uh, Sean, let's introduce all the people that are here. Hey, okay. So, do you want me to introduce? Uh, sure, my sure. Board? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, 
Uh, on my left, uh, Shay Sinis, okay, from Nova Scotia, uh, one of our board members uh, and uh, our uh, committee chair for funding uh, for the Canadian Vaping Association, and uh, uh, also the owner of the N Vapor Shop uh, in Nova Scotia, um, as well as Daniel Madden, okay, um, another board member, um, the owner of La Vape Shop, okay, in the... Uh, suburbs and various areas around Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And Sean, uh, other board members that are not present in this chat, if you want to just round up what you got uh, going over there. Okay, uh, board members. Um, our president, Jack Weinberg uh, of uh, Happy Vapor. Uh, Beiju, uh, I can't even pronounce his last name without killing it, uh, Lakani, um, the owner of Moshi. Ross Morell uh, from uh, from Calgary, Alberta, uh, owner of Vape Escape chain. Um, we have a Greek, a female Greek, a very pretty one, in fact, uh, Maria uh, from Pap- Toronto. Papayoano is her last name. I want to help you out a little bit. Yeah, I can't even pronounce it. I'm going to go for Maria's last name. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, Sabi, um, the owner of uh, CEV out in uh, B.C., um, Matt Stanko, uh, former uh, founder of uh, Kavar, uh, that he shut down uh, uh, in the uh, summer last year to uh, help uh, build this. He was one of the founding uh, people that uh, was very instrumental in this coming to be. And uh, last but not least, who have I forgot? Uh, I've said Jack, Daniel, Savvy, Matt, Shay. Oh, Daniel David. Okay, obviously, yeah, Daniel David. Uh, uh, from eVape, okay, is uh, also uh, the director of ECTA. Uh, he is a uh, a bridged uh, director between the two groups and organizations in Canada, creating unity. Fantastic. Now, um, before we get into some certain questions, I'm going to start off with you, Shay. And, uh, you know, there, there, there's, there's a couple of groups already out there in Canada. By the way, 347-308-8329, the telephone lines are open if you have any questions or comments during tonight's show. Uh, it's also on the top of the chat if you didn't catch that. Press 1 when you hear the British lady speaking. So, Shay, what I'm going to ask you first is, before we get into the, the purpose of the Canadian Web Association, there's other associations in Canada. And, and as somebody that has dealt with this Canadian issue, even back when I was hosting the vape team, I was, I was trying to bring light into the Canadian situation. Uh, we, we have, uh, uh, of course, Kavar, and, and we have, of course, uh, you know, a, another, you know, kind of the EU version of, of ACETA in Canada as well. Mm-hmm. So why why the need to form another association? Well, actually, all three do play a great role within the industry, and there is a place for all three of us. Kavar is actually transformed. It's now THRA, the Tobacco Harm Reduction uh, Association of Canada. Um, they're, they're consumer advocacy. Um, they do have a vendor liaison as well. Um, however, they, they are great bringing awareness to the industry of what's going on within the community, uh, just, just enlightening the whole community on what's going on, whether it be with media, government, so on and so forth. Now, with ECTA, that's the Electronic Trades Association for Canada, and they deal with the legalities and regulations of of the industry. So, with them, they are the trades association. With CVA, basically right now, and, you know, don't mind me for reading it right off, but we're a registered national not-for-profit organization responsible for the management of government and media relations on behalf of the Canadian vaping industry. So, Sean, 
basically what I was yelling about earlier. <laughs> and, and excuse my rant, but sometimes I just get too too frustrated with the situation. But basically, positive PR, if I'm reading this correctly, uh, as your main focus of the Canadian Vaping Association, right? PR, but also um, in American terms, lobbying, or in Canadian terms, government relations as well. Which, by the way, let me let me stop you right there. It's a little bit different. I want you to explain why it's different in Canada versus how we do things here in the states. Well, I mean, there's a great number of differences in our governmental structure, and lobbying and taking money from lobbyists is not one of them. Uh, legalities per se in Canada. So Canadians have uh, governmental relations firms or governmental affairs firms that they hire or they have their own person. And uh, they, they basically serve the same purpose, except uh, um, it's not uh, allowed to do as many things as you can as a lobbyist in Canada, in the United States. Understood, understood. So basically it's the same thing, but not as public as and as, as wide open as we do it here in the United States, so everybody understands the, the situation yeah. of how law gets done. Yeah. Um, so hold that thought real quick, uh, Sean. Let me direct uh, the question to Daniel, uh, another business owner in Canada. So, Daniel, uh, obviously you've been very successful in your business. You, you've, been, you've been doing this for, for so long. Uh, what drew you to the Canadian? What made you decide that this is what we need? I'm going to get on board and I'm going to support it 110%. Well, uh, we heard about all the things that was coming, and uh, I thought, uh, uh, well, I speak with everybody uh, and on the board, and uh, we went around and uh, speak to other vendors and says that uh, if we all go together and uh, unite our, our voices and uh, unite our funds together, then uh, we're going to have a way to try to make something happen instead of uh, been sitting there and uh, waiting for stuff to happen. Taking a passive approach to anything that has to do with the government is the wrong move. <laughs> I think that's been proven over and over again. Um, Sean, what exactly is the situation right now uh, with with e-cigs and nicotine in Canada? Um, there's a lot of debate and legalities federally with the Health Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's being argued back and forth. It, it, it's largely being fairly much ruled that it can't be a tobacco, and it's argued whether it, it's a drug or not. But clearly... Um, they're not enforcing anything more than sending angry letters out to people like Shay or Daniel um, asking for a cease and desist and sell their product off, but they're not enforcing it. Uh, there's absolutely no compliance enforcement in Canada whatsoever, and the vaping industry is growing as a result. So Health Canada is sitting back, and there's a number of reasons why they are, obviously. I, I've seen this, and I've said this in the past. It's more of a harassment tactic right now. Um, I think they're not even clear what the law is right now, and they just don't know how to deal with it. And I'm sure that they also don't have the required funding or, or manpower to be able to control this, right, uh, Sean? Uh, there's, there's no way they do. I mean, obviously, my primary business is a, a large chemical manufacturer, and I deal with Health Canada weekly and you know deal with all sorts of myriad of compliances with pesticide compliances with Health Canada. And, uh, I mean, I know... Quite a few people at Health Canada. They don't. They don't. They're so underfunded right now with cutbacks in the federal government. They don't have the ability to monitor beef production, corn production, pork production, and all sorts of other uh, really important uh, consumer health concerns relative to compliance. I, I, even if they put through something crazy right now, they wouldn't have the staffing uh, to go out and, and watch it. Daniel, as as a business owner, and, and I want maybe you know even the U.S. listeners or international listeners that that are listening to the show, how difficult is it to be a vendor right now in Canada? Because I know we had this discussion last night when we we're doing the pre-show, 
And and you mentioned a couple of things that I found really, really interesting. But how hard is it right now? They can control the one thing that's critical to your business, and that is the border and the customs of the product coming in. So how difficult is it for you to conduct business and to help you know the vapors that need to get their products? Well, uh, well, it's sometimes it's pretty difficult because uh, you go around with problems with customs for nicotine, uh, which uh, obviously is a real serious matter over here. Uh, you go around with problems with uh, hardware. Um, you're gonna receive your orders. They're gonna go to Health Canada uh, custom checkup, and they could stay there for three days, three weeks, two months. Uh, you have to wait and have it back. And um, most of vendors, what they do is they make an order and they're going to make a second one to have one that has a backup because uh, if your order gets uh, stuck and stays there for two months, then uh, you're going to have to wait to have it back. But your customers that are coming in stores, your wholesalers, well, they still need their products. So you have to to play the game to have everything in stock, even if it seeds at the borders. Uh, one time I had a order uh, of supplies and when I've received it, it was so far after then there was another version of the actual unit already out because the other one stayed there for two months and a half. I'll tell you what, the way that tanks are coming out of China right now, <laughs> there's just no way you're going to be able to keep up with stock. Like six months from now, you're probably going to get the sub tank. It's going to be the hottest thing in Canada. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shay, uh, you know, I, I know you're a business owner. I, I know you're very serious about what you do. There's, there's a lot of confusion. Even I'm confused, and that very rarely happens. So the, the, the status of, of nicotine legality in, in Canada, that's something that has to be clarified. And I know there's not a straight answer to it, but try to enlighten us on how legal is nicotine in electronic cigarettes in Canada. Well, I mean, <laughs> this is the fun part right now. <laughs> As of right now, and, you know, I've, I've been in touch with corporate law firms uh, and also Health Canada great great rep i actually enjoy my rep he's now become a personal friend right now nicotine is illegal in canada uh we do fall under the meds list and and that's just is the way that it is whether we like it or not worst news in the world yes but that is just what it is um unfortunately we don't fall underneath the four milligrams lesser per dosage unit or the old schedule f as people may recall they have they have uh, archived that and added that into the the pharma list so this is where we fall under. However, that's a federal issue. The only issue that we're having right now is federally, nicotine is illegal. However, say in Nova Scotia, which I can speak on behalf quite well, as we just went through Bill 60, as of June 1st, the electronic cigarette and everything that is deprived from an e-cig down right down to the drip tip and lithium ion batteries is now tobacco. So that contradicts it because tobacco is not on the drug list. Just makes no sense. It really it just does. Doesn't. It doesn't it's so contradicting, and I think this is their biggest part with not being able to enforce it right now is because they just simply do not know what to do. You know, because they've made these laws, and and they didn't think about the e-cigarette when they're making these. Obviously, obviously not. And to me, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the United States. As as much different as we want to seem like we are, we're not. Because here we have states that are trying to enforce laws on electronic cigarettes on a state-by-state cases while we have federal regulation pending. I mean, there's states that are trying to make push laws with uh, bottle safety, production, wholesale distribution, uh, labeling on a state-by-state basis, which can create a huge problem within the industry, something that even some of the manufacturers don't understand. Once we have federal regulation pending, that's going to overrule pretty much everything that the states are going to do. Um, but anyway, 
I don't want to get everybody confused. Back to the matter at hand, Sean. Uh, so let's get into this Canadian Vaping Association. Um, you have the plan in place. I know you did a lot of pre-work before you announced it. You actually had talked to me about this uh, a while ago. You told me to keep it hush-hush until we get everything, all your eggs in the basket. And it seems like you did. Uh, and you went out there and you approached some vendors. What was the initial response? Uh, the initial response from 250 emails and a very well-developed proposal that we handed them so that they could read it through on their own um, with a follow-up webinar was 11 vendors showed up. Uh, pretty much represents the United States, too. That's about the same ratio we get over here, too. But uh, yeah. anyway, carry on. So um, we didn't give up, and we asked all those 11 people to bring another four people in, and people started very quickly putting up their hands um, to say, I want to be supportive of this. How can I help? People like Shay, people like Danielle, uh, okay, uh, that were eventually elected into the board, um, put in countless hours. And, you know, you know what it's like, Dimitri. It's countless, countless uh, hours with absolutely no gratification except to keep going. And uh, we finally got to a second webinar um, in December. And at that webinar, uh, thankfully, we had 63 uh, attending vendors and a lot of the bigger vendors uh, in, the, in the country. Uh, the ones that obviously understood that they wanted to be survivors. And that's really the way I look at the winners here are, are dedicated themselves to the fight and understand that they have to survive because they're not in it uh, for grab the loot and scoot uh, yeah. type of businesses. You know, one of the problems, and I, and I actually talked to you about this when I saw you up in Niagara Falls uh, a few months back. One yeah. of the problems that you run into a situation when you're trying to do something like that, like I've run into that same situation here in Tennessee, with uh, some of the vendors uh, uh, when I'm approaching them for the Tennessee Smoke Free Association. Um, the problem that you have is, number one, egos, which is, uh, you know, rampant through through the vaping community, not only from the vapors, but the vendors themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the competition factor, because a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they see the other shop owners and the other vendors as competition. However, everybody's missing the big picture that a coalition of vendors is so much more powerful than individuals that have ego and competition issues with the rest of the vendors. Uh, how were you able to, to you know, kind of mend that bridge? I know there's a lot of people that might be sitting on that board that, you know, don't particularly care for each other. H- you know, how, how were you able to, to bring everybody together? Well, the, f- the first thing is we, we sat down and made logical concessions. One was to bridge the gap between the three organizations, uh, THRA being a CASA in Canada, uh, ECTA being a uh, trade standards group uh, like AIMSA to SAFADA, somewhere in between there. Okay, we wanted to first create harmony so that they could see that the organizations in Canada were working in unity. And that was a very important first step, because if they saw us infighting like school children, okay, we would have been dead in the water right away. Uh, The second was and continues to be, okay, communicating the message. And that's what we're ultimately doing tonight again is communicating the message that we have a plan we have great consultation some unbelievable consultation working for us uh behind the scenes and uh and we have unity and the more people uh, the stronger we get and uh quite frankly we're right now um of like say 60 people that said yes we're right now at only about 40 people uh, that have actually funded this we're funded strong enough that we can engage uh, our first bill 45 gr plan uh, to take a me- you know to take immediate effect of what happened. Uh, Bill 45 only came into effect in first reading on November 24th of 2014. So it came in very late in the year. 
Um, so we're, we're continuing uh, the fight. We're just trying to communicate the message that we have a plan. Okay, your money's going to a very professional company, and we're ready to launch. And we actually hope that now that we have the money to launch, um, that people will see what we're doing, see the credibility of hiring a, a truly a tier one company. I mean, a company that deals with you know very very large organizations, GR and PR needs. And Nash- for, pe- for people that that might not know, Sean, uh, GR and PR, explain exactly what that is, just for people well, that might not know. Well, GR is okay. Government relations. Mm-hmm. That's actually uh, getting in and working with the government and the stakeholders in uh, the health, you know, the health field. Okay, that are enacting these legislations. And PR is uh, us being able to turn around the propaganda machine. And that's really the first thing that really disgusted me and, and really caused me to to move ahead because I, I just couldn't handle anymore watching the Canadian marketplace stand undefended and watch, quite frankly, Facebook and all the the various groups in there propagating uh, okay the negative uh, propaganda. I mean, hey, did you see this terrible article? Did you see this one? Oh yeah, I, uh, did you see this one? Um, we we are sitting here uh, undefensible. And not reacting, and it has to turn around because as Clive Bates reacted, our our uh, popularity as to, to whether we're a safer alternative to tobacco has decreased by thirty percent in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Okay, we wait another year, and quite frankly, it's dead. Okay, because the whole public will be against us, and continuing with these uh, these uh, formaldehyde types of stuff. Yeah. Uh, if we don't turn that around, turn the propaganda around to public positive propaganda because there's a lot of great stuff we can talk about if we have a pro okay in a pr company that has media relations and knows the people i look in the states you can get positive media in forbes new york times okay sometimes huff post goes either way but in canada it's always negative okay there's never positive media attention to anything with a professional company uh, behind us with a network in place creating the, and wordsmithing the right communication pathway, okay, you know, will we'll win. I'll, I'll get into uh, the selection of that company here in a little bit. But, you know, the, the, the negative PR has a lot to do with the offense that vapors and vendors take because there's so much overwhelming bad press out there. So, you know, we're sharing, we're actually pimping out and, and creating more chaos than already exists out there simply because we're taking it personal. But, and there's not that much positive out there for us to share. You know, so naturally today there's 10 stories about formaldehyde. Everybody's clicking them and linking them and look what the hell they're talking about. And, of course, that just creates more and more press for them and more hits for them, and it drives for this negative PR. Shay, let me ask you, uh, you know, I've, I've done my best the last two, three years to, to try to advocate and try to educate myself internationally on vaping, and and I did spend a lot of time with Canada. Uh, one of the things that that was that bugged me a lot when I, I started looking into the issue with Canada was seeing vendors back then that were hiding nicotine or they were promoting electronic cigarettes without nicotine, uh, or you know they were selling it in the back door, or, or you know some of that stuff that really really bugged me as somebody that's you know it's a, it's a true believer that tobacco harm reduction is a lifesaver. And has that changed now? Has this, has that movement changed in Canada? Do you believe that uh, a lot of these people that might, might have been, f- you know, fearing the Health Canada laws back then or the harassment or even public perception about their product, do you think that there's been a change in that heart uh, in, in the way that they've done business? 
There has absolutely been a massive change in that, you know, and, and I can actually comment. There was one company, I was at a lung association uh, uh, information session, and one guy actually sat there and said, well, Health Canada sent me a letter and said I couldn't have nicotine, so now I only sell zero nick juice. And and myself and Cindy Lanning, our jaws dropped to the floor. We couldn't believe it. Like, how dare you? And after we spoke afterwards, he, he did. He, he started reshelving Nick. And a lot of people did hide it. And that was so aggravating because if we're trying to be transparent here. And I've said it multiple times. Um, the biggest thing is we're trying to run a viable business here. We need to be honest. If you're going to hide your stuff, then don't be here because you're making it look shady. And you're, oh, well, it, it, oh, really, it really bugs me so as well. It's it, 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 it frustrates me as well, Shay. And, and, the, and the reason why I bring it up, and I, I, I wouldn't be a good host unless I ask all the questions. We have to get everything out there for people to understand exactly the you're movement. Right. And you have to be able to sit next to somebody that you might not have agreed with a couple of years ago, right? You have to sit side by side, shoulder to shoulder, them, and, and move on this fight. But you all have to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. And I think it's critical. I've seen the, the people that, are, that have joined the CVA, and a couple of people that in the past have avoided the nicotine subject. So you have to make sure that not only are you strong, united as one front, but all of you agree on your business model and the way that you want to promote e-cigs in, in, in Canada and in public health. It's, it's crucial, in my opinion, for this to succeed. You're 100% right in saying that. You really are. Yep. By the way, I see that uh, uh, Eva's in the chat. I, I just want to give condolences for your mother. Uh, I didn't want to bother you. I know you're dealing with a lot of stuff, but I appreciate you being here. Uh, 347-308-8329. Press 1 if you have any questions or comments. All right, Sean, getting back to the PR firm. Uh, a PR firm is very, very difficult to, to choose for a few reasons. I mean, you have to look at you know, uh, conflicts of interest, um, you know, how big they are, what kind of you know, history they have. Tell me about the process that the Canadian Vaping Association is going to go through in order to choose the right PR company that's going to represent your interests. Well, um, I first started, okay, by going to um, the RCC, the Retail Council of Canada. Turns out their VP, a lawyer in charge of governmental affairs uh, that deals with the largest retail uh, bodies and corporations in Canada, is a vapor. Uh, He provided me some guidance of how to interact with them. When Beiju came on, uh, Beiju has a lot of governmental experience. Uh, he's been a campaign director for our finance minister three, uh, three terms in a row. He sat on a number of uh, boards that have dealt with uh, health concerns um, and had done some research. Daniel added to that, okay, that he had started doing some research uh, in, into PR and GR companies with ECTA and obviously Shea had uh, a great amount of uh, experience in her dealings in Nova Scotia. So uh, adding to that, uh, we were very lucky that a vape shop's son um, uh, was a professional GR company. I can't say with which company uh, publicly, um, uh, but has 12 years of experience working with a, I'll say, a tier one okay, um, uh, drink company uh, that has similar issues. And he volunteered himself as a advisor to our board, um, and is was our first advisory member uh, that was elected to the board. And he's been he knows all of these guys. And he what he did for us was say, okay, let me understand your needs. Let me write a professional RFP request for proposal. Uh, let's do this as professionally as a tier one company would do this. 
Um, and uh, we created the RFP document. We sent it out with detailed instructions. And we were taken very seriously at CVA right from the stop start by these tier one companies. They appreciated that we had done our homework. We presented them with an RFP that they could answer. We gave them deadlines. And the deadline was today. And we're very happy to say that six out of the nine top GRPR companies nationally have responded. And the other three Two of them had conflicts of interest with their client groups. In other words, uh, they probably deal with Canadian Cancer Society or something of that nature, uh, or GlaxoKleinSmith or something of that nature. And one of them, okay, just uh, for a couple of reasons, didn't have the time to answer. So we're very, very lucky that we're reading through, and I'm looking at documents on my uh, screen right now that we've just got in. Um, we will be reviewing and meeting with them tomorrow and presenting it. Uh, for decision uh, to our paid membership, to the people that have stepped up and are uh, become paid members of CVA on Friday. Daniel, as a shop owner, uh, you know, down here in Tennessee, what I found works really well is when I have other shop owners contact fellow business owners here in Tennessee, try and, trying to get them to join into this movement of the Tennessee Smoke Free Association and the importance of lobbying. And I know you and Shay have done a lot of that. What has your response been, Daniel, when you when you pick up the phone and you do call a competitor, uh, you know, because they are your, your competitor, no, no matter which way you're going to see it, they sell the same products as you. But what, what has generally has been the response, Daniel, from the people that you've reached out within the vending community? Well, generally, people right now are asking, well, it's a new foundation and um, what are you guys going to do? And we're explaining what the whole thing is. But I think some people are afraid of what their money is going to serve to. So um, I got some of them to sign in pretty quickly, and I have, uh, I would say, a bunch of them still waiting and not sure if they're going to get in or not. And we're trying to explain to all those guys that some people are there in the industry to make like um, – now, my words in English for this, not so good, but like a, a cash shot and leave in an hour, in a year and a half, two years, uh, something like that. And there's other people that are there because they actually care about the industry. They care about their customers and uh, they want to be there for more than just a little while. So for those people that want to stay in business and uh, care about their customers, their service and everything, well, they have to jump in and fight against this because that's a serious matter that we have right now and not in two years. Uh, Shay, you know, I've I seen some, uh, you know, even today I saw uh, on, on, on the Canadian Association Facebook a little thread that got a little bit out of hand, a little bit, un, uh, you know, uh, a little trollish if you want to call it that. And I still see that within the vending community. I mean, there's people that doubt you. There's people that are saying, you know, we're going to put this money in. Uh, how are you going to select it? How are you know, you know, in, in my opinion, and, and you know what I've done with Tennessee Smoke Free Association, having a lobbyist represent us, the only people that can go to the lobbyist for help and ask them are the ones that are going to pay. <laughs> you know, exactly. I'm sorry, but if you don't pay, you're not going to play. That's just the way things are, and that's how every other industry does it. So. You know, I mean, I know it's difficult being in the position that you are and everybody that's on this board to be able to handle questions like that. But let's go ahead and dissect that one that one thread on the on the uh, how were the directors and how was the board selected for the Canadian Vaping Association? Well, basically, the way that it's said is there's there's four founding members right now. If you look at our Corporations Canada, you'll see uh, it is Sean, uh, Matt Stanko, Jack Weinberg, and myself. Um, so we sat down and Sean made a post on the 19th of December and actually made several posts asking for nominations, self-nominations for those who would be 
wishing to be on the board for the CBA. Mm-hmm. Um, he let everybody know that would be uh, a tentative board for now. Uh, it would serve its purpose until September. So everybody that applied for it got a chance to speak with us. Someone through interviews, everything else. And we sat down and we decided together who fit best in the positions that were available. And I mean, and I do say to everybody, when it comes down to it, um, we will serve through September and then the votes. And the only people that have the votes are the members themselves. If you're not a member, you're not going going to have a vote as to who's on the board. And, and you know, how, how difficult is it, for, is, is it for you to keep, you know, the, the professionalism that we need right now? I mean, because I find myself, it, I find it really, really difficult, you know. Just today, it, I'm going to give you an example. Just today... I got contacted by a vendor in, in Memphis, and they said that, you know, one of your reps come inside here and was fear-mongering and telling us that, you know, we're going to have issues in Tennessee, and, you know, I just want to get the scoop. And um, and I replied to him, listen, I, our lobbyist told us that there's a bill coming to Tennessee that is very similar to Indiana. By the way, if you have not seen the Indiana bill, if you're a vapor in Indiana, you're screwed. You better get out there and do something about it. The bill in Indiana is horrible. And it's probably the similar bill that we're going to get here in Tennessee. So I told him, do you want to wait until this bill hits and then we're scrambling to get representation and pay the lobbyists to defend it? Or do you want to get on board? You know, you ha- you're going to have to pay to play. You can't just sit there and criticize what we're trying to do if you don't put your sh- your share in there. So I guess, you know, I, I, it took a lot to hold me back, Shay's basically. <laughs> so how difficult is it for you to deal with that? Um, well, the biggest thing is, um, for me, I understand. I understand completely where they're coming from. You mean, you know, I sat there and I received the email one day of this proposal for this new organization and my eyes rolled, oh, another organization. But I took the time to actually sit down and receive a call from Sean and we spoke about what this CVA was about. And basically, if somebody wants to sit down and actually hear what's going on, you're going to understand that this is exactly what this industry needs without it. We are going to allow Ontario to make this blueprint. So when people get angry, the way I look at it is, if you can't sit here and see how beneficial this is for our industry right now, then I feel very, very badly. Um, I can't fight with them on it. You're your own person, and you're going to do it. You know, there is there's a few times I just love to shout from the top of the rooftop, this is exactly how it is. Take it or leave it. But the biggest thing is just making sure that they understand exactly what it is CVA is doing. And a lot of people don't understand GR and PR. They don't understand, you know, what a proper GR firm could do for us when it comes to legislation time. So it all comes down to education, much like everything in vaping. So, you know, right now it's just making sure that they truly understand that, you know, we're not just sitting here trying to empty your pockets for no reason. We're sitting here trying to become that unified voice so that we can stand here and support the industry who has supported us. Some of us from five years or two years or whatever. We have vendors that have been open for a month or two that have come on board with us. And, you know, that just speaks volumes that they understand that we need this. And and we're just going to keep going the way that it is. And, and nothing, to, not not to take anything away from the other organizations that are out there, Sean. Uh, you, you know, because I followed. You know, and, and I follow. I have an addiction to following. You know, advocacy and vaping news all over the world. That's just my addiction, right? And that's mm-hmm. why I feel that that I'm very well versed when it comes to issues. But honestly, 
after those episodes that I did back with a vape team, I really haven't seen anything in Canada. Not to take anything, they might those associations might have been doing something, but if I don't see it, that means it's not made public, and that's a huge, huge problem, right? Well, it, it is, but you, you question what the mandate is and what you know the long-term strategic goals are. I mean, Actus' goals were to create a semi. Uh, self-regulated standard to improve the quality of e-juice manufacturing, which is very much needed, okay? Kassai's there to be able to answer the needs of consumers and vapors and and talk about rights. But, I mean, I wrote in my blog two years ago, if you ever go back to it, you know, and the blog was the critical flaw of the vaping industry. And that was, there was no one that had a strategic plan to create public communication and be a trusted and respected uh, group that government could turn to. It starts with effective leadership. It maintains that with consistency, whether it's applied to messaging, conduct, communications, social activities, whatever it might be. Because if we want to be the trusted and respected communications for our nation, and that's, I mean, that's us together, because this is a group founded by and run by the the vendors of this nation that have the the biggest stakehold in the the business we gotta we gotta be that person we we hope in fact it's, here's an interesting story the girl uh, the uh, assistant minister of health that uh, put in bill forty five was contacted by Matt Stanko he's a, a, a constituent of her riding and he called her up and said hey I'm a little concerned about this as a vapor not representing CVA or anybody else, just a phone call. Can I talk to you? I'm a, I'm a very knowledgeable vapor. He was very respectful, got a hold of her. She spent a half an hour to 45 minutes with him on the phone. And you know what she said? We would really love to have a go-to source for information and interaction, okay, relative to the government and the public and to talk to a stakeholder. But we don't see anybody because, unfortunately, you know the passion of vapors out there, okay? You know, they're acting and they're saying stuff that, you know what, is not consistent with effective leadership, okay, and, and proper professional messaging. And I get it. They're, they're passionate vapors. But you can't say, uh, screw you, okay, you, uh, you know, what da 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 beep, 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 right? Yeah. Uh, and that's what happens, right? So we feel, we feel that once we create this pathway – guided by uh, the mentorship of a, a, a very professional GRPR company. We train. I mean, I can see in all of our quotes, every single one of them has one common thing. You know what? We have to train, uh, professionally train your spokespeople, okay, to understand your talk points, how to respond to talk points. How many people out there, Dimitri, have your ability to go in front of the camera and to talk to the talk points and react to them? Not many. No, Exactly. You know what? And, and I've seen people go in front of the camera, okay, and they line him up against a doctor, and he gets slaughtered. What was that one doctor even uh, that's part of Casal? What's his name? Super good guy. What's, Dr. Carl uh, Phillips. Yeah, he, he got slaughtered in one interview. I mean, slaughtered, okay? If he had been trained by a professional GR company, okay, trained in, in media relations and how to do it, had, you know, prep for that meeting, he would have killed that. You would have killed that, that one, right? Which, which by our, which, by the way, our opponents are doing, okay? These people that are coming on to, to the mainstream media and talking, they have been trained by PR firms at the American Lung Association, American Heart Association, American Cancer Association, have hired 
I mean, those people are trained killers, basically, what they are. I mean, they yeah, get on that camera. Yeah. And, and I mean, we, we're certainly lacking in that. Go ahead, Sean. Dimitri, do you see it this way? Uh, this is the way I see it. You know what? My enemy is not the government, okay, or the Canadian Cancer Society. It's Big Pharma. Big Pharma is pushing, okay, these things down uh, our backs. These, these programs are all being lobbied behind the scenes by Big Pharma. Absolutely. Okay? Um, there's very, very isolated uh, consultation with our side of the stakehold. Okay, it's being promoted by Canadian uh, Cancer, uh, you know, Cancer Society, Lung Association, Heart and Stroke, and in Ontario, the Ontario Campaign for Action on Tobacco, OCAT. They just released something that was clearly directed to try to make this a smoking cessation device. What does that say to me? Big Pharma. The big pharma is obviously taking the health approach, and the tobacco lobby is taking the tax approach. So they're basically cornering, putting us in a corner, and we're not going to have anywhere to go. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the funding structure, Shay. Uh, looking here at the at the the level of structure, how did you come up with these numbers, and what is ultimately the budget that you have for for the Canadian Vaping Association to operate? All right, so so right now we did do a a tiered, I guess the the way we've broke it down into parts. We realized that um, we'd like to have thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a month. That was sat down and made. I personally did not write the funding structure, but I can comment on, on it this way. So right now, uh, we do have six types that vendors can sign up with. Um, the way that we broke it down is something that's going to be reasonable. And as vendors, we, we know what's reasonable, to say the very least. So we have type 1 vendors. This is for anyone under one year in operation, whether it be a brick and mortar or online only. That's a $200, $200 a month. So basically what it is, when these vendors sign up, they have the option to pay month to month, which is recurring, mm -hmm. or they have the option to pay annually. So they can pay their 12 months up front should they want to. Yeah. Uh, we also have two type 2 vendors, and this is over one year in operation, whether brick and mortar or online only. And that's $300 a month. We have type 3 vendors with more than one store, single brick and mortar with wholesale, juice sales, and or an online business. And this is $400 a month. Then we get into type 4 national manufacturers of e-liquid. This is Canadian vendors that wholesale juice outside of their home province. And that's a $500 a month, as well as $500 a month for other manufacturers and distributors. Mm -hmm. We also have type 6, which is open to large Chinese manufacturers or United States manufacturers. That's a $2,000 a month. Good luck with um, that one. <laughs> I know, exactly, right? That, that's with Inikin and Kanger Tech and Aspire. We, we can work on them. We can work on them. I've got my I foot know. in the door now, so I've I got, I, I got high hopes. We, we also, we also have, have been very fortunate as well to, to receive the money. Uh, can, can I tell them who donated? Sure, sure. absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, okay. Flavor Art actually chipped in a, a great donation, so I have to say thank you to Flavor Art doing so they stepped up uh capella's turned us down this morning so i don't know flavor it's kind of winning me right now uh -huh. <laughs> and, and you have to promote the, the, the companies that help i mean i'm full, i'm 110 percent uh in promoting the companies that are actually fighting for the right to vape i mean period that's just the way it is yeah absolutely and and you know for us i'm looking at it right now this is fair and the vendors that have stepped up for me I'd like to give them all a badge of a good job, job well done for mm -hmm. standing up for your consumers because that's what it comes down to, really. 
I mean, I can go work at McDonald's, right? You know, sure. I can go sure. work at McDonald's, but at the end of the day, this you would is make what a sucky McDonald's girl, by the way. I just want to tell you that. I know I'd be terrible at it. You know, I went to university. I can't get a <laughs> teaching job either. You know, it is what it is. You don't become a teacher to make money, though. Uh, but you know, we do have some fantastic, amazing vendors on board, and all of them reaching out to and wanting to help. So we've been very fortunate with that right now. And they are, if you look on our page, I have posted the link in the room, uh, CanadianVapingAssociation.org/slash members that will bring you to all the members as well as their links show them some support guys they've been awesome i think it's i think it's vital for vapors to understand who is in this fight uh that way they can shop with their their dollars and they they can send a little message to those vendors saying thank you for doing what you're doing thank you for supporting the fight and this is our way of saying you know that we we support the shops that do their business uh sean you know i mean 30 to forty thousand dollars a month sounds a lot of money but in realistically and I know this from other industries. It's actually peanuts when you were talking about government affairs and you talk about public relations. How many times here in Tennessee? In Tennessee, for your average good vape shop, we're basing it here. We have two tiers. We have twelve hundred dollars a year for smaller shops, and we have twenty four hundred dollars a year for bigger shops. That is two hundred dollars a month for crying out loud, right? And I oh, and I hear I hear so oh, it's two hundred dollars a month. It's a lot. The lobbyist bill for a defensive strategy in Tennessee is forty thousand dollars. $40,000 for a proactive stance on a lobbying effort, it's $60,000, right? So, you know, I've got 32 members on board. If you take away, you know, the money that we spent for SFADA, uh, the money that we spent uh, given to, the, you know, the militias, the CASAs and all that, that doesn't give us a lot of a budget to work with. But $200 a month, I mean, if you can't afford $200 a month, then maybe you shouldn't be in business. That's all I'm trying to say, Sean. I mean, have you run into that situation where people said, well, the, the, the money is just a little bit too much? Uh, well, I mean, uh, Shay and, and Daniel are on the funding committee. Um, I, I have not personally run into it. There is a couple guys that, you know, they've, they've only been in business a couple months. So we've had that and we understand that. And all we say to those people is, please make a donation. If you can't afford to be a member yet, you know what? Make a donation of whatever you can afford Okay, till you can become a member and a voting member at that, right? So um, we we need to take in all the money as possible. You know, people are not saying no; they're just not they're not answering. Okay, they're not answering Shay's phone calls. They're not answering her emails. Okay, you know, they're waiting till we call them and say, "Yeah, I have a couple questions." Well, when were you going to ask them? You know, we're pretty approachable. Okay, we're on Facebook all day. We have you know emails published. We have our own website with email uh, capability, ask the questions. If you don't understand, if you have concerns, if, if you want to get more involved, okay, ask the questions, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw something about window decals. We do that here in Tennessee, and I actually made them really big. <laughs> I have to, uh, We give them windows that say a proud support of the Tennessee Smoke Free Association 2014-2015, uh, dedicated in promoting tobacco harm reduction, which I think is a great idea. It lets vapors know that these shops are actually doing something. Um, but, 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 but Shay, you know, running into that situation, I mean, mm. you can't afford to be in business. You can't just put your head, uh, in the sand and, and think that all of this is going to go away. It's, it's, it's at this stage of the game, it's impossible. It is. And you know, it, it this is the most frustrating part for me. I mean, I am in spreadsheet hell right now. I have 21 spreadsheets on the go for just for the funding committee. Um, basically I've been through this already. You know, I have, I've been at legislation. I've spoke to the committees. I know exactly how fun this really isn't, (laughs) you know, and and it isn't. So, you know, I try to sit down and I try to, I'm not just hammering things 
out at people. I'm also trying to take a personable stance. I'm trying to sit down and have conversations. Lots of people have been fantastic about it. But at the end of the day, and I do write beside everybody's name how many times that I've contacted them, um, whether it be two, three, four times, whether it be by phone, email, um, or Facebook. And, you know, it's coming down to the fact that I know that they've read the email. My biggest thing is just respond, yes or no, because it makes it so much easier. We're not trying to badger you. We just need to have a voice. My biggest thing is, and I've said it, and I said it in a, in a vendor's group as well, is I would love to hear why people aren't interested in standing up to do this because, you know, we are going to support this industry. And for those that, that aren't supporting CVA, you know, you're still going to be included at the end of the day. We're fighting mm-hmm. for the industry. So we are doing everything that we can. And hopefully, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll start realizing that, you know, this is it. And, and without taking a proactive approach to it, you know, your business is simply going to be inactive. And it's the power of numbers, folks. And, and by the way, the, the board is here. If there's any doubters, naysayers, and I know there's plenty of you out there, 347-308-8329. Give us a call and ask the questions that you want answered. Daniel, how many shops are there in Canada right now? How many, how many uh, brick-and-mortar stores do you, you know, approximately, and how many online vendors do you think that there are? Well, in Canada, I, I guess there's more than uh, brick and mortar stores and online stores, more than 500, I would say. More than 500 stores. And, um, I would say, like, if we just go go uh, go back to March in Montreal, it was like five shops. Now there's quite more than 40, I'm pretty sure. So everybody sees the business opportunity and all that, but they have to see that there's a hand somewhere if we don't just stand up all together and fight for our business. So one thing that I'm not really happy about is people that are talking, 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 and when it's time to act, they don't. So uh, you go to you go to vape meets, uh, you go to vape can, and people are saying, oh, we're going to do this and we should do that. Well, guess what? We're trying to do it as we speak right now, and people have to stand up for their conviction and uh, – just add the group because, uh, as Sage just said, uh, if they don't, well, we're still going to do it. And at the very end, well, they're going to have benefits of the work that's getting done. But there's going to be more work and it's going to be quicker if they all stand up and uh, we go, go as a group right now. You know <laughs> – Keyboard warriors exist in the vaping community. A lot of them, trust me, I deal with it on a daily basis for the last four plus years. But, Sean, it's the power of numbers that I think here can make a, a tremendous effect in Canada. I mean, walking into you know a government building and saying that you represent 500 stores in Canada is a huge, huge weapon to have. You know, the, that representation in the numbers, I mean, obviously, you know, from, from, from financial, if you want to put the numbers down for all the stores that are in Canada, but also for votes as well, too. So growing that number, that, 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 that database of vendors that are part of an association that you're going to be able to go in and represent or whoever you're going to hire to represent you speaks volumes for regulators. Absolutely. Okay. And we need to be that credible source. Okay, and, and, and only together can we do that. The important thing here, Dimitri, and we don't think we've touched on, is that we're in a much different position than Europe or United States. We don't have deeming regulation federally looming over our head. Okay, and I in looking at the GR campaign uh, proposals, if we effectively unite and have enough money to fight on two or three fronts, and that's very important. 
because the primary and immediate objective is Bill 45 in Ontario. Why? Largest province, largest population, and it will be a blueprint for other provinces to follow. All right, let's talk a little bit about follow. Bill 45. That's going to be your first order of business anyway, right? That is your first your first order of attack. Absolutely, but we have to have enough money to be a national organization and be prepared and have the people on board that can support us nationally, a GR company, and have the funding nationally. Okay, I mean, right now, BC, I think we have one vendor in all of BC when there's over 55 to 60 vendors in that marketplace. We have uh, three. We have three, three actually. Okay. Three, three out of 50. Okay, three out of 55. It's or still 60. not a lot, Shay. Still, no, still sounds like it's one. It's actually quite <laughs> disgusting to see. It still we, sounds like we, one. We have to have the funding in place. Okay, so, you know, as the treasurer of the organization, and I'm, you know, I'm managing the money and therefore the long term strategic financial stability of this. Okay, we have to have enough money to not only fight on one front, okay, like in Korea, but we have to be able to fight in Afghanistan and Iraq, you know, and another and potentially another marketplace. We have to be prepared to have enough money to be fighting provincially. But it's a good thing because we can very effectively, okay, knock down a provincial, okay, set of regulation. Federal is going to be a much bigger battle. And, and we need the time to get together, get our game plan, get our credibility together. As you said, see the strength, people to see the strength of this. Okay, see, have legislators, have elected officials see the strength of this, the economic impact. Okay, be able to see how many actual vapors they represent that are, you know, voting uh, constituents of their riding. Okay, and go, you know what, I better start talking to these guys or listen to them or get informed. God only knows, Dimitri, if we just got elected officials properly informed, if we could actually be at the table and, and have be a respected communication source for health officials to actually come to the table, because right now we're not at the table. We're not anywhere close to the table. They're not consulting our side of the table. They're not. And you're not aware of what's coming either. You know, part of the no. re- retainer that I paid the lobbyists, well, Vista paid the lobbyists 10000 here in Tennessee to retain him. Part of it was a couple of weeks ago, we got the email from our lobbyists telling us that they had lunch with a lobbyist from RGR. And that's where we first found out, um, you know, roughly, because the RGR wouldn't be specific, the lobbyists wouldn't be specific exactly what's going to be on the bill. But they were, part, you know, they were fishing for information. So they were telling our lobbyists. Basically, you know, what they're thinking about proposing to see what their reaction from the lobbyists will be. Of course, our instructions to the lobbyists is we oppose everything that RGR puts out there. So no matter what they're going to propose, except a ban on minors, which already uh, is in place in Tennessee, they're going to replace. But if I see if I see such a lack of interest, you know, raising $40,000 to represent us in the state, I fear for what's going to happen at the federal level. We're going to need, you know, millions and millions of dollars. So coming back to the Bill 45 in Ontario, which I, I like to... To give an example of that, it's basically what happened here in New York City. After the usage ban, indoor usage ban passed in New York City, then it was just a trickle effect, and all the big cities wanted to be just like the big cities, Chicago, L.A., everybody followed suit and did exactly the same thing. So why? how important is that this Ontario fight uh, be won right now before it becomes a trickle effect to the rest of the provinces? Bill 45, which is termed the uh, Make Healthier Choices Act, uh, uh, had its first reading. It hasn't gone through its second reading. Um, but if it passes and goes through and we do not have people on the street uh, when it comes to public consultation, its Schedule 3 will end uh, the majority of Ontario vape shops immediately. I, I mean immediately. Okay. Um, and it will obviously become the, an absolute blueprint that every other 
health minister in a province in Canada follows. It will be it will be the structure, okay, for their response to effectively uh, distinguish uh, this industry. That's generally how everything happens. Uh, Ontario might have been the first that's hurting for whatever reason, whether that is uh, tobacco tax, whether it's pharmaceutical pressure, whether it's the lobbying pressure, and they're the ones that stepped up first to do something about it. Uh, it's definitely not the regulator's choice to do this. Everybody needs to understand that. There's a pressure coming from somewhere, Sean, for them to act quickly, and especially in a province when you don't have you know, a defined federal regulation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's as we said before, this is, you, we, we got to understand that there's massive amounts of big pharma lobbying, okay, and, and they're using their minions, you know, like the Canadian Cancer Society, okay, to push these things. And these uh, ant groups, like I mentioned before, yeah. right, that tobacco group, okay, to push this lobby. But, you know, if we just have a chance, okay, for our side of the industry as stakeholders to provide consultation, okay, and change the, uh, the media's propaganda to some positive media, we have an opportunity. Can I actually say something there? No, just because in, as you're in. saying that they're the way that they're pulling in, I just have to say at Bill 60, um, a daughter of the Smoke Free Places Association actually went up. She was 13 years old and pulled the Save Us Children thing. Seriously, I'm not kidding. She was 13 years old and she said, please, you need to save our generation. This is what mm-hmm. they did. I'm not even kidding. That's you. what they did this in New York City they too. There was two kids that came up, a 15 and 16 year old, that were obviously paid to come in to say the same thing and and, and get the, into the regulator's heart and say, "Oh, uh, these kids are, you know, really struggling with e-cigs." You know, so I mean, this is just, just a plan of attack. It's all staged, and we need to stage the same fight. I mean, we need to we, fight dirty we, like we, they are. Completely, we can, we can pull the same thing as long as we're doing it in a professional format and being guided by a professional company. So our talk points are valid. Okay, that's what's important. Not disorganized. And for vapors as well, too, because I keep hearing this thing that, and I hear it here in the States as well, too. Oh, you know, us vapors, we're going to fight and we're going to go and we're going to say our piece. And guess what? It doesn't work that way. That's not how law is made, period. You can sit there and cry on top of your lungs that this product saved your life, that you quit smoking. It doesn't make a difference. However, a good PR firm can guide vapors as well, Sean. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we hope that, okay, we're going to be able to provide, okay, a lot of key talk points, okay, uh, both to our members, okay, to their salespeople, okay, should they have to engage in a regional, okay, media campaign, okay, and the communication point for their, uh, for their consumers, Okay, because there's a lot of passionate consumers that really care about their vape shop. The question is, does the vape shop care about them? Exactly. Uh, Daniel, let's talk a little bit about that since uh, you're in the business as well. And it's something that I did want to bring up with you. I mean, how how are you going about educating the customers that are coming into your store? And also, let me tie in another question there that I think it's important. And I think it's a problem that we struggle with here in the United States as well, too. Do you believe that there should be some guidelines set, even within the Canadian Vaping Association or even the other groups that are in Canada, on etiquette and guidance to the vape shops on how they conduct their business? Because we do have a huge problem when you have a community of vendors that care, and then you have a small portion of the vendors that don't care, that sell to minors, that sell unlabeled product, that sell yep. dangerous uh, you know, devices, that, that, that don't give the proper education. And I'm not trying to be a regulatory board here, okay? I don't want to get this mistaken because sometimes people take my words and they they change them. I'm not trying to be a regulatory authority here on FDA, but I'm trying to be a self-regulatory board of trying to 
educate the vendors themselves on conducting the business the same across the board. And that shows not only a unified industry, but it shows a professional industry. Yeah, well, uh, when we speak to big vendors, uh, we're going to talk about prices of products, and it's all quite the same. But now you get to small vendors that are going to sell something that they should sell for $40 to $80 because they will catch on newbies and uh, it's going to make bad press about E6 because they got scammed in the store. Uh, other people are trying to make uh, the best as they can for uh, their illiquid production. And you have other people that are doing liquids on the counter table. I even saw uh, a mosquito in a bottle of 30 mil. I have a picture of it. Uh, and just last week, I have one of my managers that went to uh, a little new shop that opened. And the lady was asking him if he wanted a big or a small bottle. She didn't even know what a 10 or 30 mil was. And she was pouring concentrated flavoring drop by drop in the bottle on the counter and asking the, my manager, do you want to have a label? So no childproof that's, caps, that's no labels on the bottles. Um, another issue that you're going to see is uh, when people get into small shops and the first question a vendor that doesn't know his product is going to ask uh, the whole lady, well, how many cigarettes you smoke every day? And if she says two packs, they're going to hand the lady 20 milligram, which obviously she doesn't need because she's smoking pretty light cigarettes. So that that's... That's education that uh, store owners and store managers should have and should teach to their vendors. So this way, the, uh, the, the business would keep being professional and keep getting granted of, uh, of good publicity. But if you go around with stuff like that happening every day on a new corner street shops opening, well, it's bad press. And uh, this is really bad for industry. That That's what I think about it. I think I think that as an industry, we should be doing that already, Shay. I mean, it, it, self-regulating is something – it's a great tool to be able to show to regulators that, listen, we're already doing something. That's one of the things that I liked about Cindy <laughs> – uh, you know, when I had her on the show, we talked about proper labeling and, and bottle and child safety caps on, on e-liquid, something that, you know, there isn't really, you know, there's no guideline out there, if you want to call it that, in Canada as far as the electronic cigarette product is concerned, because there's so many, you know, misconceptions of what's going on with nicotine. But mm-hmm. the industry itself can take that proactive stance and say, we're going to step up and we're going to regulate to make sure that these stores are all selling, you know, proper label bottles, you know, mixed in, in the correct environment and show that out there to the public as well. That Listen, we're doing the right things here, even though we're being harassed by Health Canada and the various other regulatory boards. Absolutely. And, you know, that's something that we, we implemented right from the get go with us. You know, I have to give Cindy Landing all the thanks in the world because Without her, I wouldn't be the vendor I am today, truly. Um, but that's something that even I implemented in both of our stores. We want the proper labeling. Why? Because you just want it. it it's just smart to do. It's CCCR compliant. You know, that, that's a federal thing. Follow it. It's simple. It should be on all liquid bottles. It's on your shampoos and everything else. Why can't you take five minutes to do it that way? Um, we don't allow anybody under the age of 19 in our stores. Not even a parent with children. I'm sorry, but... They're claiming that we're enticing children. Well, if they're not allowed in my store, then I'm not enticing them. So that comes down to a moral basis of the parent, whether or not they want to tell them they're vaping cotton candy or not. You know, it's, it's just you just have to do it. Uh, we require that all vendors, because we buy wholesale juice, um, we require that all their juice is tested and that we receive the, the lab results from Enthalpy or West Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just because we want to be able to say, you know what, no. 
we did take the proper protocol. We're trying, to, like I said before, you know, we're trying to set a standard for this industry here. Because if you do get to the, the proper steps, if you do get to the point where you have to go up against the Health Canada to testify, and they do raise, raise these questions, you have to be able to back up what you're trying to advocate for, which is a problem exactly. that we're going we're to run to here in the United States. By the way, the the no parent thing uh, inside the store, you know, I don't I don't really agree with that, but that's just my personal opinion. Nothing against your the stance that your store has taken, but you know, we can walk into a gas station with our kids and buy cigarettes, and I think that the same should. Be fairly frank. Well, that's, yeah, that's just my personal there. opinion, though. I just want to put that's that out. That's different there. in Canada, though. You yeah. can't yep. even walk in a store and see cigarettes here. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're completely boarded up. They cannot advertise. They can't even. If you walk in a store and say, What kind of cigarettes do you have in Canada? Legally, they're not allowed to tell you. Wow. You have to know exactly what you're, you're buying. Unless you go to the actual big tobacco website to find out what new brands are there, they're not yep. allowed to tell you because there's zero advertising for tobacco. And if, uh, if a minor goes in a dipanar with his dad and he's 16 years old, then you know that the pack of cigarettes you're selling goes to the 16-year-old minor, you're not allowed to sell it. Same thing as liquor store. Liquor store, you go there and you have a kid with you and the clerk knows that he saw the kid pointing the bottle and that's what he needs or he wants, they're not allowed to sell it to him. And if the dad is an inspector and they do sell it, they're done. So the laws are really tight on I, this. I know they are. I know. It's, and, it's just a personal thing. that's why thing. we're telling vendors, yeah. well, you don't sell to minors because if they do, then it's doing bad press yes, again I, I, and another I, I, I time totally we're agree. getting screwed up. I totally agree with that. It's just that I have this mindset you know, being from a Greek family that, you know, you teach values and parenting to your kids and it's up to the parent to, to teach you that and the government shouldn't tell you what to do with your kids. But anyway, that's just my own personal opinion. I just wanted to put that in there. Uh, you know, speaking of vapors, Sean, you know, it, it, the vapors have to be educated as well, too. And, and and the reason why I bring this up is, you know, how many times have I said on the show that, you know, I don't believe in mixing in stores, right? I, I'm just totally against this idea. I, I ran on this up to Niagara Falls when I talked to a couple of the vapors over there that told me they went to a store and they make it fresh. And, and, and their idea of making fresh is when they, you know, they, they take, you know, the bottle and they're just mixing the stuff right in front of him on the counter and handing him a bottle. And then the vapor takes it. And in his mind, he believes he's getting fresh. You know, he's not asking how long has this ketchup bottle sat in the back for three months, you know, growing mold and bacteria in the flavoring or whatever. They don't, they don't even think about that. All they think is that they're mixing in front of him like they're getting like they're getting a sundae or like they're, they're, like they're getting a banana split. Uh, they're actually getting, you know, a chemical that they're inhaling into their lungs. But I mean, vapor education is key. Do you plan? through the Canadian Vapor Association, to reach out to that group and try to educate the vapors themselves in Canada, especially with so many people out there being confused on the status of the product and the legality, uh, the, the legality of the product uh, in Canada. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And, and obviously, again, it's, it's, I've seen it as a big part of all of the proposals we have. They've been advocating, these GRPR companies have been advocating that that should be part of that. But it's not really what we're for. Okay, per, per se, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm I'm not sure. You know, in harmony with the other organizations, we really have a vision. Okay, that these three organizations can work in harmony, and, and quite frankly, it's more of a vision of what THRA is about. However, we hope that we have the funding, okay, to help them provide leadership to that. But I would rather that be a mandate. Okay, CVA is very focused here. We want them to trust in one thing that we're going to hire a very good company, okay, that is going to represent their businesses. We're, we're a member-funded organization, Dimitri, so it's more kind of following into what THRA should be doing, and we hope that our stewardship 
and their leadership in combined, just as we hope that ECTA, okay, uh, has a future because standards are very important in our future. And that, when it gets to federal uh, consultation and regulation, is going to be very important. I firmly believe that we will provide, okay, credibility uh, as a group. And when it comes to speciality, whether it be consumer education, following into THRA or standards and regulation in manufacturing, it could fall into somebody like ECTA. Everybody needs to have their mandate, their specialty, and their focus. We can't be all things to all people, uh, but we will be a leader, okay, uh, to make sure we're stewarding and mentoring, okay, further groups to take those mandates in hand. You know, the reason why I bring up the vapors, and I know it might not be your ultimate goal, however, you do have the organization open to vapors to donate and to participate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shay, there's some question that you've been getting a lot of how vapors can help this association. So I feel that, you know, if you have vapors that do step up and they want to make this thing succeed, I think they need to be part of the movement as well, too. And I think they're vital for CVA to survive, even though this is, you know, clearly a vendor driven association. But without your customer base to support you, I don't think it's going to su- succeed. Exactly. And I just actually answered that question uh, from Tess in the chat. She did say, you know, you know, how can I help? Uh, I did have PMs throughout the show so far where they're saying, you know, are consumers able to donate? Absolutely. There's a donate button on the site. However, uh, something that would be really great is if you are a consumer and you look on our member site, you're going to see the vendors that are in support. If you don't see your vendor there, ask them. Exactly. Did you hear about the CVA? Maybe they didn't hear about the CVA yet. Maybe for some odd reason they hadn't gotten any more email or seen the hundreds of Facebook posts that have gone out, you know. Or, or maybe they just were on the fence about it. If I it's see him, if I see him, if I see him, and I'm in the states, that means they've seen him too. <laughs> so yeah, and that's just the biggest thing. It's just make sure you get with your vendors. I mean, I shop. I shop. I'm a vendor, and I still shop uh, different shops across Canada and the United States. You know, I love a little bit of everything. So the biggest thing is just talk to those vendors and make them aware of you know how crucial this is for you as a as a vapor for them to stand up because right now this. This has become a, a huge battle for us, and, and we need to be your voice as much as you need to be your voice. We need to be, come together. Like we say, this is all about unity. As of right now, we you know we are vendors, but we do need consumers just as much as we need vendors. I do see some, the, some. the industry came out over here like from nothing, and I think a bunch of people and a bunch of vendors take this industry and the whole vaping thing for granted because they have it. And they didn't have so many difficulties, but guess what? This is up to change if we don't move fast. So it's not granted, and that's what people have to understand is it has to be done now and not in two years. Ultimately, if you don't do anything now, you're not going to have a business in two years. I mean, that's just plain simple. Yeah. It's the same thing here in the United States as well, too. And and I've actually seen some movement through the chat, and I've seen some people that say they're going to sign up tomorrow. Some people signed up today. So that is a positive, positive uh, piece coming out of tonight's show. Uh, Sean, you know, getting back a little bit to the vapor thing, and I think that the, the you know one of the problems that I ran in down here in Tennessee, and tell me if you're going to experience it there is, you know, we we try to promote the stores that are actually doing something, you know, to fight and to defend this bill that's coming here to Tennessee, and just like you are trying to do something in Canada, and uh, and not not everybody's going to agree with you, which is understandable, right? But at least you sure. you had you know the balls and you had the drive and the desire and the passion to do something about it. Uh, in the best way that you know possible, by the way. Um, 
But one of the issues that I run into is that people say that we're trying to shun out the other vendors or the ones that are not participating in the CVA uh, or in the TSFA down here in Tennessee, that we're trying to shun them away. And we're not trying to do that. We're trying to bring education to the vapors. Again, I keep bringing up the vapors because this is a vendor fight, but ultimately without the consumer who's your customer, you don't have a business either. So I, I find it. You know, the, the guidance for the vapors, just to inform and let them know that this is exactly what's happening and these are the steps that the vendors are taking, is vital. I mean, I think it's extremely important to know that there's people out there that are not all about the profit. I mean, if you have somebody, you know, dumping three, four $400, $500 a month into an association, that is $500 that could have taken to go, you know, to a strip club or to a bar and drink or whatever. It's part of the profits that they're putting into this, and it's vital for the vapors to understand that. There's no questioning that marketing is a big part of that. And obviously, I'm pretty good at that. I mean, I've, you know, been a vice president of marketing for a lot of, you know, large, large firms. And and the question is, is that we want to really, you know, sell that down to our members, okay, you know, who are vendors, okay, and make sure that they have resources that we can provide, okay. And again, they're going to tell us what they want, okay. We're a member-driven organization, um, but we're going to provide guidance. We hope that you know, education, you know, can be provided. We don't want to be the forefront of that necessarily, but we certainly will be a motivator, a mentor in that because you're right. I mean, consumers drive it. I saw it in the chat, you know, eventually, you know, okay, quite frankly, vendors will come on board because people like Tess there are going to say, hey, you know what, what you, I heard about CVA uh, through a friend, okay? Are you a member of CVA? And if not, why not? Yeah. And that will be very powerful. Uh, Daniel, as as far as your stores are concerned, what are you, what steps are you taking to to educate the consumer that's coming into your store and letting them know about the situation, the political situation in Canada? Um, first of all, and you know what they can do to help, you know, do, uh, you know, write the right to their, uh, I guess they're called uh, what are they called? Not not legislators in Canada, but um, I can't think of the word right now. Uh, but but write to your elected officials in Canada. Let them know about your your story. What are you doing through your business to educate your consumer? Well, right now we're doing the survey from uh, Dr. F uh, in all stores. Um, we're uh, talking to our clients, that like petitions and stuff like that. Uh, I don't believe in that so much. So uh, we're we're really targeting right now with the surveys, and um, we didn't we didn't go like through uh, through petitions and uh, those things that passed uh, like from a shop to another because I, I don't really believe in that because it hands up in uh, drawers and they don't really care about that. So that's why I said Petition myself, my it. personal opinion that it would be better to go with the organization and uh, do it with the firms. You know, petitions stay away from petitions. I've said it many times. I think it's just poor people's lists. Um, <laughs> Shay, <laughs> Shay, um, Long-term girls of, uh, of the CVA, okay? Immediately now we know Bill 45 is vital and it's crucial. But, you know, we have to look at the overall scope. And, and, and when you're trying to pitch an association uh, like the CVA, I think a lot of people would want to know, you know, what's your long-term goal? Well, that comes down to a lot of things. We have a lot of long-term goals right now. Um, but but the biggest thing right now is that, that we just want equitable and fair regulation for the industry. Um, if we have to go province to province and fight the good fight, that's something that we're going to do. Um, you know, we need reasonable and practical right now, and and we're just not getting that. We're seeing it. It's happened in Nova Scotia. It's, it's happening right now in Ontario, uh, BC as well with Bill 33. It, it's coming down. And actually, Quebec, as of yesterday, even municipal buildings and any any 
yeah, uh, in Montreal. property owned by yeah in in Montreal, Montreal North. Any municipal property you can't vape on whatsoever. You know, it's kind of the same thing that happened in New York. It's just it's it's widespread right now. So right now, it, the the biggest thing that we need to do. Like we've always said that if we have to bounce province to province, we're going to do it on behalf of our members, absolutely, and on behalf of this industry as a whole. We so just, we're just fighting this good uh, fight right now. Everything that affects uh, a province becomes a blueprint for the other ones. So anything that happens anywhere is bad if it's in the bad way. Well, it's the same thing here. I mean, it's, I hear people in Florida saying, well, I don't care what happened in New York. Well, yeah, you should care because if it happened in New York, it's going to happen in your state as well, too. So, I mean, there's, exactly. this, there's really no, no logic behind that. Sean, let's speak a little bit uh, more about uh, some long-term girls. How are you going to decide? Um, this is a question that I have, uh, and I've been struggling on, on how to answer it when people ask me. Uh, how are you going to decide where, where your attention is needed? Will it be will it be a collaborative effort be- between the members and the PR firm? Are you going to reach out there and, and and try to get a discussion going? Because you know there will be some people that are going to say, "Oh, we, we we really need help on this sector here, which is going to benefit more of their business and their business model." Right? Uh, and you're going to run into that situation. How how will you be able to decide on, on which plan uh, and, 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 and plan of attack you're going to take next? Well, I mean, largely, if, if you position what CVA is, it's ultimately a conduit, okay? In other words, information is flowing both ways. Information is uh, being mentored from us down uh, from the GRPR companies. They have, I'll have the ultimate professionalism, and it will always guide CVA and their members. We're also going to be, you know, having very, you know, transparency is very, very important to yeah. me. It's one of the things that, you know, separates us from AVA because we're member-driven and we're transparent and we'll be reporting kind of like Casa does every month, okay, in webinars, our financials, we'll be talking about the decisions and we'll be getting input from our members because guess what? They're the stakeholders. It's their lives. It's their their companies, their jobs, their, you know, their family's future, okay, that we have, uh, you know, responsibility for. And so we'll be taking input up from them and then taking the information back down as a conduit from the GR company and getting decisions made by our members. Yeah. So, you know, we are guiders. We're kind of like the, as the, uh, you know, conduit, we're going to guide that information, you know, move it back and forth. But we're not, again, we're not the ultimate, you know, the, the trust factor, you know, is the biggest concern, I'm sure, for a lot of these people. Okay, should I trust these people with my money? I've been burnt before. You know, shit hasn't happened. Okay, you know, they said something, I put money into it, and they never did anything. We have a very focused plan, and what we're accomplishing will be very transparent, okay, to them. Okay, Um, so guiding them in the future is kind of what we do, uh, but we're just a conduit. That's, That's all we are. Okay. Transparency so. is going to be very important because a lot of the vendors have lost trust as well, too, for various yeah. reasons. I don't have to bring all the reasons up. You, everybody knows out there that, you know, there's there's a very difficult trust in the vendors to put in money because they've been burned in the past, right? And yeah. not only have they been burnt, but a lot of these advocacy and a lot of these, these, these trade associations have done a poor job relaying what exactly that they're doing. You know, yeah. I think that's going to be key for any association to have success. Get out there and tell the people and tell the vendors exactly what you're doing and exactly how their money is being spent. Something that I ran into in China with the Chinese vendors was that. People were saying, well, we were putting money in Fada, we were putting money in Tikasa, and we didn't really know what this money was being used. We didn't know what we got out of it, you know, what exactly was happening. And and it's been it's been talked about many, many times of, of 
if if people don't know what they're getting for the money, most likely it's going to deter them from joining up again. You know, you know that, that that's our biggest problem right now is we're moving so fast. Okay, and in answering, okay, Mitch and Vince in the room, both good guys, both members of CVA, we're moving so fast. They need to understand that. Okay, each one of us is spending somewhere between two and four hours a day. Okay, on CVA, we worked all the way through Christmas except Christmas Day. Every single day we had meetings. Okay, we're spending all day tomorrow driving around Toronto to meet with these GR companies in person, PR companies in person, to make sure we're uh, getting as much information to be relate relate to our members on Friday. But you know, the problem is we're we're not doing a good enough job yet. And only because we're moving so fast and they have to understand that, you know, the only way that we can communicate is we have a members only CVA Facebook group. Okay, we hope to be getting to, you know, email communications. We will be doing monthly member meetings. Okay, but there's changes every day and and there's already concerns. How did that happen? You already have 10 board members. What are you doing? And and I can only say that right now, give us a chance Okay, to to get our communication format more down. And right now, the format of communication is the CVA member only board. It's got to be your responsibility to be watching that. And we will get to email and we obviously will have monthly meetings. And and it's our goal, our absolute goal to make this as transparent, member driven. Okay, you know, you we can reach out to us on our website, ask and ask an email. Uh, There's not one email that I haven't responded to with a very detailed email. I think Mitch will appreciate that I spent some time and, and gave him a very detailed answer to his question today, uh, giving it some thought and making sure it was professional. Um, and we're responding to every one of their queries. And and certainly, you know, I mean, I have to commend you, Sean, and of course the rest of the board members and you, Shay and Daniel, for stepping up and doing something. You know, what is the outcome? I don't know. You know what's going to happen. I really don't know. I have seen so much in this community, uh, good and bad. Uh, come and go for the last four, four and a half years doing advocacy that you, you just can't tell. All you can tell, though, is that when somebody's trying to do something, you know, no matter what it is, support it. Get out there and support it in one way or another. You know, if it's not a monetary donation, get out there and spread the word about what's going on because this lack of, the, you know, exactly as Dr. F said, the inactivity of this industry will be its biggest downfall, not in the U.S., but globally. Yeah. Globally, and that's why I want to spend time reaching out to the EU and reaching out to Canada because we're all in this fight together. It's the word is apathy, you know, and it, and it's a terrible, terrible human condition that we all are, are are you know guilty of, and it's very easy to be apathetic, okay, to this situation and to have some sort of you know false sense of security that you know my buddy Vince there or my buddy Charlie or my you know these guys out there that we turn to in our local B&Ms okay that we enjoy going to are going to be around tomorrow yeah. okay you know they're not <laughs> okay i hate to say this okay you know they're not okay that, and as a is, you know uh, experienced 30 year old entrepreneur okay that's had many many of his own businesses okay i can tell you that i wouldn't feel comfortable right now signing a 5 year lease if i wasn't doing something about it if i didn't have a plan and that plan, and if it doesn't involve CVA in Canada, I, I can't tell you, okay, what other plan you've got, quite frankly. You know, one, one of my biggest fears here in the United States is the vape shop. I like the study that, that Dr. F is doing in Canada, uh, you know, showing the effectiveness. I, I, I wish, I, I wish, I pray to God that this will get funded here in the United States as well. 
Shay, being a vapor, and I know you're a passionate vapor. You're you 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 vape a lot, <laughs> Just, but you know what the importance of having the vape shop experience is to help people quit smoking. And without it, I believe that the vaping movement will die. I truly, truly believe that. It's crucial, and uh, you know, I got to sit down and speak with Jean Laroche from CBC quite in depth. This is something that we did discuss about, um, and you know. We did speak. He's like, well, what if big tobacco? This is the biggest question. What if big tobacco gets a hold of this? I said, the difference is, I said, when I have, say, an 80-year-old lady walk into my storefront, I can't just say, and this is our biggest thing with advertising, I can't just say, here's your kid, have a nice day. Right. No, the fact is they like that one-on-one care. They like the fact that I can sit down, explain to them what they're doing, explain to them what's in the juice, how to set up their kit. Walk them through their first baby steps while they cough and hack. We all see it every day, you know, and they still have that smile when they come in a week later to pick up that second bottle of juice. Um, you, you build a personable bond with your consumers, absolutely. Exactly. And without that personal connection, um, it, it goes nowhere. I mean, do you really remember the name of, names of the people that uh, you went in and bought smokes off of? Do you think they cared when you walk in the store? No. But if I don't see a customer for a couple of weeks, I always wonder about them. You know, you become on a first name basis with them. Uh, we receive cards, thank you cards, Christmas cards. I get hugs. I get kisses on my cheek. Uh, somebody made me a bottle of wine. I you know, got it. I got one by mail. There you go. You know, you you get friends through this, and uh, it's it becomes a family. I don't look at the, and I always say that. You know, I don't look at my customers as just dollar signs that's not the way that it is uh i don't think that is for any vendor truly and if it is that makes it feel terrible but um you know we've become a family in this we truly do vaping has uh unified people we all found something that we love and and to take away the vape shop experience would would kill this industry it but really really would the vape shop experience is what made vaping explode anyway because I, I remember you, Shay, and Sean from a while back when we started vaping when there was only an online community. There was no brick-and-mortar stores. And how right. small the community was. I mean, I could probably literally name every person that was vaping four years ago. Well, not not really, but you know you know what I'm saying. Almost, the, yeah. The, the community was very, very small, right? Uh, now, the vape shop experience blew up the, the, this phenomenon, and it's if it, if it if the vape shop is allowed to continue to operate as it is now, which I fear for a lot, especially here in the United States, uh, I think it has the potential, as Bonnie Herzog said, to to change lives. And in 10 years, the vapor product overtake the combustible tobacco. But without it, you can't. I did see something in the chat about a new vendor. He's not profiting a lot. And and Pamela Gorman, which is a, a, a lobbyist for, for Enjoy, she's a government affairs person, said it to me best. Government affairs should be a monthly bill, just like is your rent. You know, you have to account for it. It has to be budgeted into your overall business plan, or you, or you, you don't have a business plan. You know, just like you pay your rent, you pay your power bill, you pay your water bill, you pay your employees. You should set aside a budget every month for government affairs. You cannot afford not to afford government affairs if you want to stay in business. That sentence that she said there has been tattooed on my brain, and I try to relay it to all the vape shops that are out there, Sean, but there's so much truth behind it. You cannot afford not to have it. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. Nothing to add there. All right. I think we have dissected completely the Canadian Vaping Association and this newly introduced group in Canada. Uh, personally, I want to commend all of you for, for taking the time and the effort to do this. I wish you nothing but success. So I will go around. I'll start with you, Daniel, for some, uh, some final thoughts. Well, um, I'm, uh, um, 
I'm waiting for my phone calls. <laughs> well, uh, I just uh, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be there uh, tonight. And uh, obviously, uh, everything we expect from all this is uh, people to understand that uh, we're there for the uh, the vape industry. Uh, we're there for our clients too, and uh, um, we're uh, we're ready to represent uh, what's needed. And put as much effort as we can to make all this happen for uh, for the sake of all. Very well put, Daniel. Uh, Shay, some final thoughts. And also, Shay, fill us in on how people can get in touch with you and work and to get more information. Absolutely. Um, first of all, if you want to get in contact with me, um, you can just email me at ssinis at canadianvapingassociation.ca. Um, or you can hit me up on Facebook. It's Shay Sinis on Facebook. Or you can even message us on the Canadian Vaping Association uh, page. I would like to say in final thoughts to me, if you are not a vendor, or if you are a vendor and you are not already a part of this, I will say that we already had two more vendors sign up for CVA since we started this interview. Uh, so welcome, Fat Pandas and Easy Vape. And thank you, Dwayne, for your monetary donation. Fantastic. That's, that, that's Fantastic. gratefully appreciated. Um, if you are a vendor and you have not already signed up, please... If you're on the board or on the fence and you're not sure what to do, please contact someone from the board, whether it be myself or Daniel or Sean or anybody on the board. You'll see our, our board is on our website. Contact one of us. Sit down, uh, whether it be a phone call or email or, or Skype or whatever makes you feel comfortable. We can sit down and have a talk about it. Um, we need you. At the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that we need you as much as you need us. It comes down. To it we need to be unified here if it's an issue with another vendor put it aside it's not yeah. about that we're not doing business transactions together we are not doing business transactions together we need to stand up for ourselves and for our consumers number one and for this industry who has made us who we are today so please keep that in mind while you're making this decision instead of just casting it off to the side if you haven't responded to my emails i'm sorry but you're going to get at least one more <laughs> you're put gonna your, get one more. Put your egos, put your egos, and the extension of your drip tips on the side, and fight for the common cause. All right, what else you want to fill in here? I think that's about it. I just want to thank everybody. You too, Demi. I want to thank you. You're kind of cute. Oh, I like thanks. your gold phone, you and Phil. Thank you very but much. You know. thank you. I'll let you hold <laughs> it if I come up to the Canadian vape. Who's, who's, who's cuter, Shay? Phil or Demi? Oh. Sorry, Phil. You better step aside. Oh, oh. look at that. <laughs> Demi, you got to step aside too, but Connie, you can call me anytime. Oh, <laughs> oh, look at that. My wife gets lucky one more time. All right. Thank you, Shay. All right, Sean, uh, final words, of course, to you. Okay. You know, first, obviously, thank you to those that have supported this as vendors and vapors. Um, we've come a long way. It's It's been a, a huge struggle uh, and a lot of work, but I'm glad to do that. Okay. I'm, I'm privileged to, uh, to be part of this. Um, we're privileged to have you as members, but your job ain't over, okay? Quite frankly, okay, look to your left, look to your right, look north and south, okay? And if there's somebody that's not on our page as a contributing member today, call them. Because you know what? If they're not on, ask them to call me, okay? Ask them to call Shay or any one of our board members, okay, and ask the questions. The, the, the question should be, why are you not a member today as a vendor in Canada? And, and, and quite frankly, it's your responsibility, okay? Everybody has a job in this, and quite frankly, the job ain't over till we're well over 
okay, 150 members of 500 vendors in Canada. And yes, there is some people that have just started, okay, I saw uh, uh, one of our friends in the, in the thing that just started his business, make a small donation until you've got your business up to a point in time where you're making $200 profit a month. That's okay. We understand because we've all been there as retailers, okay, eating, okay, and we talk about it, okay, Shay and, and all of us, we talk about it, and, and we remember the days where we had to eat craft dinner, okay, uh, to start this business, but it's worth it, and it's an unbelievable community and business to be in. And for the other people that uh, are out there as vendors that haven't joined yet, okay, you have to put trust in something, and if you put trust in nothing else, if you can't put a trust in CVA, put trust in the fact that if you don't do something, okay, you're not going to change your future. And your future uh, is predestined, okay? And let me tell you, it ain't pretty, okay? You know what? You have only one opportunity right now in Canada. I hate to say that it's us. I wish it was somebody else, quite frankly, okay? But there's a lot of people that you <laughs> can lot. turn out. It's you a know, lot of pressure I, I right there, somebody buddy. somebody else has stepped up. But I, I, I stepped up as a vapor. Okay, just because I cared so much about my brick and mortars in this community. Okay, I mean, I care about Charlie. I, I, I totally care about Jack. I care about Vince. Okay, I care about Carrie. Okay, they're, they're, they're vendors in my marketplace that I care about. Okay, and I, I'm part of this community, so we stepped up. Okay, so the, those vendors out there that are sitting on the sidelines, okay, thinking this will be done without you. Okay, guys, there's so much more we could do with you. Okay, if we had um, 200 members of 500 vendors out in the marketplace, Dimitri, do you understand what we could do with that budget? Oh, yeah. That's a, okay? that's a great we could, we could start investing in research. We could be making decisions to say Canada okay, and the CVA and its members, those vendors that are supporting it, have the money to actually invest in research, real research, okay, and, and move forward. Okay. And hopefully we'll be able to join forces if if yeah. uh, if the group grows with with uh, USA and the EU and China and, and and grow forces internationally. I mean that could be a very powerful lobby uh, on a global PR level as well. Yeah, we, we have the opportunity, okay, to set a standard here for the world. Quite frankly, I hate to say that, but we, we could we could set a standard for the world in a unified, okay, voice that's doing GR and PR and, and fighting an unbelievable fight. Okay, and it's going to be a great ride. You know what? It's going to be bloody, and it's. I'm. You know what? I'm going to have headaches. Okay, and I'm going to wish to God I never got involved Gonna? in this. Non-sleeping okay. nights. Yeah, non-sleeping nights. Where, you know. Uh, Welcome you know, to my we'll, world, we'll, baby. We'll have fights. Okay, and we'll cry. Okay, and when we get together, I can't wait to to, to hug people when I see them that are part of this. You know, it's a it's a weird kind of thing. You know, Dimitri, the, the, the pleasure and reward of advocacy is a very, very weird thing because there's very little reward to it, okay, except being part of something, okay? And being part of something is bigger than each of us individually. It's a it's a weird phenomenon that I'm not probably, you know, well-versed enough to, to, to orate and describe. But that's, you know, is that, you, you understand that, Dimitri, that you get that, feeling that you're part of something and you're making a difference, that, that's got to mean something to this vaping community. And although it's changed dramatically over the last four years, by the way, tomorrow's my fourth vaping anniversary. Okay, You can uh, send uh, okay, uh, cardamizers, boat cardamizers to me. Okay, I'll still vape them. Okay, uh, 306 Addies, still love them. Okay, okay, they're still good. Anyway, just kidding. Um, but that's, that's my story. You know what? I'm the... The people that have stepped up, the 10 board members, congratulations for stepping up. 
Okay, for the members that have stepped up, okay, and have donated, okay, thank you very much. Okay, we're gonna fight a really good fight here, guys. Okay, and it's 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 part of being part of this team. And you're gonna go down swinging. Well, my platform Absolutely. is always open for you guys, and I hope uh, next year you come back on and you announce that you have a hundred members. That is my my wish for you guys, and uh, and um, nothing but continued success. It can only get better from here. Dimitri, thank, thank you, okay, for supporting us and, and giving us your show, okay, really, buddy, because you know what, I'll tell you right now, okay, I haven't given you a hand-painted mod yet, okay, like, Daniel, <laughs> okay, he's a kiss-ass, okay, we know he that. He even painted okay. his face on the wall of his shop, is that the, is that the one that went boom? <laughs> no, no, that was that, Phil. That's Phil. Obviously, that's <laughs> Phil, what kind of question is that? Nobody's going to go boom on my face. I think that was Dimitri's call. <laughs> <laughs> I know people in Canada, right? <laughs> you know what? We all thank you because ultimately, okay, no one that I know, okay, and unfortunately that even includes David Dorn, okay, has contributed more, in my opinion, okay, in selfless advocacy, okay, and to the community, and we're here because of what you've done. Thanks, Sean. okay. I'm saying that. that I'm saying that from the heart, brother. Thank you, Sean. All right, everybody, Canadian vapingassociation.ca for more information. Dot org. I'm sorry for more information. Thank you folks for joining me here tonight and nothing but continued success. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you, Dimitri. Later. Bye-bye. There they go, the Canadian Vaping Association. I'll be right back. Hey folks, P. Bissardo, and you are listening to the pink lover, Dimitri, on Smoke Free Radio. Just a couple more notes here. Um, tomorrow, January the 22nd, is the deadline, which obviously is not going to help people listening to the replay, uh, to nominate presenters and panelists. Excuse me. Got a little coughing attack. Let me restart that. January 22nd is the deadline to nominate presenters and panelists for the March Electronic Cigarettes uh, and the Public Health Second Public Workshop by the FDA. If you're interested in reviewing information for the workshop, I will give you the link in the uh, chat now, please. This is very, very important. This is the second workshop. I know that Dr. F will be presenting here. He will be brought in by AIMSA. Uh, another scientist will be presenting at this public workshop. This is extremely important if you have not signed up. Uh, you can obviously watch this uh, as a webinar online or if you want to participate, uh, there is the link. Uh, final thoughts. Once again, I have to come back to the formaldehyde story because it's the breaking story that is out there. And Peter Hijek, which is the director of the, director of the Tobacco Dependence Research uh, in the London School of Medicine and Dentistry, said it best. Uh, an e-cigarette use um, by humans overheating the liquid generates a crit-testing dry puff, which is unpleasant and avoided rather than slowly inhaled. Uh, this is something that Dr. F. also talks about, the dry puff phenomenon, which cannot be replicated in a scientific lab. This is a user interface. So formaldehyde at the alarming levels that these people are claiming that this e-cigarette at 5 volts was putting out would be avoided in real-time use simply because it tastes like crap. So if we're going to take a puff on a device that has that dry puff, we're going to stop using it, make adjustments, lower our voltage. So just like the nicotine intake is a user interface, we can control the amount of nicotine that we're taking basically on what our body is uh, wanting, craving or not craving. We can adjust it by the way that we vape, the different wattage levels, the different nicotine levels. The same thing happens for the formaldehyde issue. 
Closing out the thoughts by Peter Hijack, he made a very, very good analogy. When a chicken is burned, the resulting black crisp will contain carcinogens. But that does not mean that the chicken, uh, the chickens themselves are carcinogenic. It's exactly the same thing that happened with the uses inside the lab. Educate, fund studies, get this industry active, or we're losing the fight badly in mainstream media. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I will be back again next week, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern with Smoke Free Radio. Have a wonderful evening.